One city. Two teams. Genoa and Sampdoria. They meet today in the Derby della Lanterna. Lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast told like it is and always at the highest level. I'm Frank Crivello. Uh, glad you have joined us yet again. And with me, as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Buona notte. How are you doing this evening? I am drinking Happy Place. Uh, it's <laughs> from Third Place. Space Brewing in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to give them a shameless plug. It's a good beer. Um, because I'm in my happy place. I'm in a happy place because Milan went with a team, with a patched together team and went to Lazio and got a draw. Okay. I hate that they gave up the late goal like every other Milanisti, but they got the draw. They got a point, um, at Lazio that I think if they end up finishing top four, are going to look back at this and say, this point was very, very important on the way to getting there. So, um, you know, I am uh, I'm, I'm happy with them getting that result. Uh, I'm sure that that is one we're definitely going to dive into later. Um, it looks like you were tweeting about the uh, you were you were pro substitution uh, <laughs> on that game from the from the sounds of it. We'll definitely talk about that too. I'm sure because uh, I have an idea or two for uh, uh, the whole Gattuso uh, didn't sub. There was a lot of Milan Twitter uh, going out there saying what. Uh, they weren't happy that he didn't sub to waste time. Yeah. So you're mad that he subs for making a sub, or you're mad that he subs because he panics up, but now it's, well, you're mad that he doesn't sub. It's, aren't they wonderful people to follow, <laughs> I, you know, or to read? It's just, gosh, you got to sometimes, you know, for them to go through life, they need to have their hand held through most things. Um, but <clears throat> it, makes for entertain, it makes for entertaining reading. So how about you? How was your, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. Spent a lot of time with family. Um, yeah, it was jam-packed weekend, uh, but it was good times. There's a uh, much-needed uh, R&R with the family, uh, uh, talking to them either in person or you know over the phone and stuff, and uh, spending time with uh, my immediate family. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, a good time, good times. I wish uh, I could use more of those, and I guess I'll have another. If we're on Christmas time, I guess we'll have another opportunity. But, uh, yeah, until then, it'll be a long, grueling time at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... That's for sure. So, um, myself, it was, uh, it was very busy. So, uh, ate a lot. I think I've gained, I, I, I know I've gained 10 pounds. I don't even want to bother stepping on the scale. So, <laughs> um, you know, between eating and drinking there, eating and drinking at my, at one of my best friend's weddings over the weekend. So, um, yeah, there was, uh, uh, uh yeah, plenty of gluttony, uh, going on on my, uh, on my end for sure. So, um, but, uh, you know, so, uh, it's a definitely a, a good holiday. So, um, we've got a lot to discuss, Richard. There was the Derby de la Lanterna, very, very, very big match, uh, on the peninsula that maybe doesn't get the, the, the worldwide recognition, but, uh, the, the, the most, uh, ardent fans of Italian football 
know it and yeah. do take the time to watch it. Uh, Lazio and Milan, huge, huge game, as we talked about in last week's pod. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the games, and then we'll give a quick preview of Europe. But before we do that, uh, I do want to jump into what the overall theme was of the weekend in Serie A. Um, many of you uh, watching games or watching highlights, uh, you know, and maybe not aware of what the uh, red marks were for on the faces of the players, uh, the officials, I think a handful of coaches, I don't think all, certainly not all of them. Um, uh, and uh, this was a, a move um, on Serie A's part uh, to raise awareness uh, on domestic abuse, to put an end to campaign for to putting an end uh, for domestic abuse, Richard. Um, and, you know, to start off with this, I, I can't, you know, I'm racking my brain and I can't think of, I, I think this is the most demonstrative um, thing I've seen. This is the biggest demonstration I've seen toward a specific movement demonstrated, uh, <coughs> demonstrated in a, in, in, in a football match you know, throughout a slate, a league wide slate of matches. Uh, am I wrong here? Is there, is there something else we can draw on on this? It, it was, it, it seemed unprecedented to me. Yeah, really. Uh, this, this movement kind of started last year this time. Uh, so I think it's the second time in second time, uh, in the last 12 months that it's happened. Um, so it, it's the first time I've seen a movement like this in, in one league in particular. I do know when, uh, whenever racism rears its ugly head, um, usually all the leagues unite with a, with a banner in the beginning. So that's the only thing I can think of that's come close to this. This is different where all players are wearing something on their face to, to signify this campaign. Um, while as the other, the, the say no to racism stuff was just a banner in the beginning and maybe an armband or something like that. But, uh, this is certainly unprecedented and certainly unique. Uh, uh, good for Syria to step up to the forefront for something like mm-hmm. this. Uh, yeah, yeah, couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, would be. I'm very supportive. I'm. I'm. I'm glad to see uh, a league like Syria demonstrate some progress and do something like this. Um, you know, and uh, what we what we decided to do, and what I decided to do. Um, you know, we've had. You know, I mean, domestic abuse, and I get it. It, it affects everybody. Okay. Um, you know, physical, verbal, emotional, uh, sexual, um, spiritual. Uh, you know, is, is, is another form of it. So, um, you know, so, but I, I wanted the female perspective on it and we have had female guests in the past. And I think all of the female guests we've had in the past, Richard, have been fantastic. They know the game, they know their stuff. Uh, and the information they've presented to us has been nothing short of excellence. So, 100%. um, yep. So I wanted to take the liberty of reaching out to them and I asked them just a few questions in relation to the theme of the weekend, their overall reaction to it what they thought of the red mark, maybe any other comments they want to chime in. So uh, I'm just going to read, um, okay. you know, some of the, uh, the the comments that I received. I'm going to start with Laura Bradburn. Um, you know, uh, her comments are this, and I'll quote her. Uh, I think any campaign to raise awareness for domestic violence is a welcome one, even in 2018. It's still not really at the forefront of people's minds, despite it being an everyday occurrence. I like the red symbol. It's striking and obvious, making it do exactly what it's there to do to bring our attention to it and discuss its meaning. What I really like about it is that it's on players' faces, arguably the most recognizable commodity they have in the modern game. What better place to put a symbol for raising awareness than there? The only thing I don't like about it it being red is the blood connotation. So I understand the intent. It implies that domestic violence is exclusively or mostly physical. 
when we all know it can be a combination of physical, mental, emotional, and verbal. Uh, that said, I still think it was an ideal way to create discussion. So, you know, that was from Laura. And, and I mean, she just, she hits it right on the head. Um, you know, we've always found Laura to be a very articulate guest when we've had her, um, you know, um, uh, so, so, so that's what she said, you know, Chloe Beresford, who we've had on, uh, a couple of times, uh, who we hope to have, uh, to discuss some Fiorentina here soon, uh, said that she agrees with Laura, thought it was a really welcome campaign involving both men and women on social media. At the end of the day, people take notice of people who are in the spotlight. And if they are raising awareness, uh, for me, it is a positive thing. Even if it made just one person think before they abuse someone that it has been justified in its aims. I'd like to see the league take a firmer stance on other issues like racism, uh, but I think they have done well and deserve credit for this in particular. Uh, I'm happy, you know, and she's just happy to uh, share her opinion. So, um, and that was uh, from Chloe Ferrisford. Um, and I'll give everybody where they can follow all of our all, all of these great answers. Um, you know, after we wrap this up, Rosella Marai Rico, who we had on our preview pod this season. Um, she also thinks it's a great campaign to raise awareness against violence toward women and children. Had several people contact her to inquire about what the red marking meant, and that just goes to show that it certainly captured the attention of the viewers. Also got into the discussion of whether the red mark, which looked like blood when smudged on the face, was the right method to capture the attention. The debate was because violence doesn't only come in the physical form, but she thinks the fact we were talking about it is proof in itself that the campaign is getting spoken about and awareness being widespread. Uh, she also commends Syria for the idea of putting it on the faces of the players because it's very noticeable in South Africa, where she's from players read out statements saying no to violence against women and children. And 95% of the time you can't hear what they're saying because the acoustics are bad in the stadium. So that campaign practically goes unnoticed as opposed to Syria's, which has been a hot topic of discussion. She also agrees with Chloe regarding the fact that the league does need to focus and take more of a severe stance toward racism because it is such a widespread problem in Italy and football itself, it is something that also needs to be mentioned and in the media also need to take responsibility in this too. And I will tie the racism part. And I don't want to get, I don't want to make this because racism is a completely different topic, a very sensitive one, one that we definitely do need to address, uh, uh, you know, every day as a society. But, <clears throat> you know, Tying that to, you know, the, the, the stadium and the acoustics, they do that for, they do that for racism. And FIFA, you know, has the say no to racism campaign and UEFA also, uh, to an extent, ha extent has it. But the way they promote it, Richard, yeah. um, you know, and then speaking about the, speaking about racism, it just feels half hearted. It feels like UEFA and FIFA, okay, we're going to do it this way. The semifinals of our major competitions, the captains are going to read something probably in their own native language. You know, there'll probably be somebody reading in English, and then that's it. And then there might be a banner somewhere in a obscure location in the it's stadium. It's for the cameras, isn't it? It's for the cameras. That's what it is. Right, and it feels like it's half-hearted, and it feels like, right. okay, we did we did our part, now let's play. You know, where, you know, it's... The, you know, tackling racism in this sport and racism in our in, in society in general, football and footballing organizations don't do it, in my opinion, don't do a good enough job of it. And I think um, are very half hearted in their approach versus 
this domestic abuse campaign that happened over the weekend, this was really in your face. You couldn't get away from it. No, exactly. And and, and I can see why they went with red because red's going to stick out. It looks like blood. Um, they don't want to use black because a lot of sports athletes use black on their face, you know, for the sun and whatnot. Uh, you don't want to use different colors because you could be distinguished with the team. You could just think of it as pride or whatever. But um, red jumps at you, and you your first your first instinct, oh, it's blood. Um, so it, I think in that respect, that I see why they did it. Yeah, I agree with uh, with all with all the sentiment uh, that that you you read. Um, it's not only about domestic abuse and like not only about violence. It could be mental. It could be so much more. Uh, but the red jumps out at you and asks questions and. Uh, as uh, Rosella said, you know, people just start asking questions. Hey, what's what's the what's up with the red on the face for? You know, um, had it just been random colors or whatever, you may have not got them. You just been like, oh, it's a guy showing off or whatever. But um, I think that's a, a good way for Syria to to bring up the issue to to have people talk about it. Um, they need to find a way to do that with racism as well, because it is also another big topic that is big in Italy, as as, as mentioned previously, and um, that's another thing that's going to be tackled. It's a whole another separate issue. But I'm glad that they brought this to the forefront. Um, bravo to Syria for for doing something like this, and maybe uh, other leagues around the world around the world can uh, step up and take notice of this, because uh, this is certainly a a topic that is a hot topic, but it's a uh, it's a needed one and an important one. I know this one I hold dear true to me, and I'm sure you do as well. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with what Syria did in this one. Oh, and I, I, I absolutely applaud Syria for, <clears throat> for taking a much more confrontational approach to it, uh, than what we have seen in the past with other causes. Uh, and I think that what they've done is they've sent a precedent and they have sent a bet, they have set a benchmark, uh, for how it should be done if you want to get people talking about something. Uh, this was beautifully done, um, you know, uh, and we brought up the examples of and then you kind of see also um, you kind of see also, uh, you know, if you ever, uh, you know, if you ever follow the the feed, if you go to UEFA.com and you go and you follow, you can't follow the Champions League game, but you just kind of want to follow the text of the events that happen. You know, and then they'll get to halftime, and then there's a small video of Lionel Messi saying no to racism. They were doing that for a little bit, and just kind of like, you know, who's stopping to read that? Right. You know, or who's stopping right. to watch that? It's like, you know, you're probably up, you're probably off your desk, you're probably, <clears throat> you know, off off doing something else until the second half begins, and you can follow it again. So, um, you know, so for me, that doesn't resonate. You know, that doesn't resonate as much as what happened here this weekend. Now, let me ask you something before you go on. Um, the yeah. one thing I do like about the say no to racism stuff is during the games on the billboards around the field, they do have it flashed up there, no, say no to racism, hashtag no to racism or whatever. I mm. didn't I didn't really see this in the Serie A games. Uh, not necessarily all the places have um, electronic billboards, kind of like Udinese or Juventus, but I would have liked to see that too added to it so you could really you know mix it to both the, the face marking and then have the words on the on the billboards around that even add sure. more um more notice or more more power to the to the message sure sure for sure um now sonia misio also uh, another past guest of ours um uh, had a little bit of a different spin on it um and uh you know, they spoke about this. They spoke about this campaign on their pod, uh, unusual efforts. Um, but uh, you know, I'm going to paraphrase what she said here. Um, 
uh, you know, because we, we know Sonia really well. We respect her very much, but she also has a specific disdain for Juventus, as we understand. Um, but she she had a lot of venom towards Cristiano Ronaldo. OK. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do and just kind of looking at one of their tweets, just kind of their disappointment with, you know, some of the British article headlines talking about this topic of what Serie A was doing. Cristiano Ronaldo and Serie A teams or Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus. And I think that there's a lot of frustration here with a couple of things. First of all, with using Cristiano's, run, Cristiano's name, considering the accusations that were levied against him two months ago. Ding, 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 um, ding. Bad, bad taste on the part of anybody that did that. Okay. Um, you know, now, if, number one, Bad move on the part of the British tabloids or anybody that, that led with, okay, Cristiano Ronaldo and Serie A stars raising awareness for domestic abuse, okay? A man has been accused of sexually, of sexual assault in Vegas, okay? He's not been charged. We, and I, and I'm gonna stick to my guns here, Richard. As much as I respect where Sonia is coming from here, I'm going to stick to what I said two months ago. There is something called due process and investigation needs to play out, all right? And something, substantive needs to be unveiled to the investigator before Ronaldo can be actually formally charged. So going from being accused to formally charged, there is a very fine line. Okay. But we also talked about this a couple months ago. The court of public opinion doesn't have much time for due process. Um, they're more into instant justice. So if you will, <clears throat> so I walk on eggshells when I, react to, you know, the, some of the things that Sonia said, but I also respect where she's coming from. You know, you should not be leading a headline with, you know, on a campaign for domestic abuse with Cristiano Ronaldo, considering that he has been accused of a form, a very ugly form of abuse. Um, and, you know, maybe not yet formally charged, fine, but he's still, he's still, uh, you know, He's still been accused at the very least. So not not the smartest move on the part of the uh, uh, of the tabloid folks to uh, to lead with him. Uh, you know, secondly, and this is a totally unrelated topic, it seems like and that's this is something that I think that would frustrate the most casual or even the most ardent city up in. It's it's Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus or Juventus led by Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not it can't just be Juventus. You know what I mean, Richard? Um it's, yeah, stoke it's, the fire. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gravitating that way, and I think it's frustrating a lot of Serie A fans. Let alone, <clears throat> let alone having his name headlining the whole domestic abuse effort. Um, you know where? Hey, there was Juventus had a long, long history before this guy showed up. Um, but you know, thirty-five Scudetti. Right, right. Well, thirty-three, or you know, whichever one. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, if you're a Juventini, then you say 35. If you're not, you say 33. Um, but, uh, you know, he should not, his name should not have been anywhere near any of these. And I, I, I agree with Sonia and I respect that decision. As far as the actual progress with that investigation, I'm still in the court of, okay, there's due process. What's your reactions to some of the things that, that uh, Sonia and the gals at Unusual Efforts said? Um, they pretty much nailed it out of the park. Um, and, you know, it's the sentiment's pretty much all the way across uh, the same. Um, it is it is an issue that needs to be brought up to the attention of everybody because not everybody thinks about it day, day to day, right? And they should be. It's it's a it's a a big 
situation or a big um, a big topic that needs to be addressed more in day to day life, and unfortunately we have to use it and put it put it on the faces of our of our athletes in Syria to bring more attention to it. When in, in right fact it should be it should be on the forefront every day of, of our lives, but it's not for whatever reason. And um, so the fact that they did this, putting it on their faces was the absolute right way to do because that is the money maker. That's what everyone sees. Uh, mm-hmm. when you go to, you go to, if you're, if you're a Juventini, you go, you want to see Paulo Dybala, you want to see Ronaldo. Well, if you see a red mark across their face, that's the first thing you're going to think about. Um, or, you know, if you go to Milan and you see Iwain across his face or, or, you know, wherever, um, it, it sticks out at you and it makes you ask questions, especially if you don't know what's going on. And I think the more people asking questions, the better it is to try to, you know, try to tackle this issue. Um, but, um, good for Syria for, for, like you said, um, Going to an uncomfortable place and and having people talk about it. Um, yeah. This this the day of hey, keep it under the rug. Don't say anything is is gone. You need to you need to speak up in, in this in this day and age, um, especially with something like that. And um, I I I I'm actually happy to be a Syria fan just uh, because of something like this that they're bringing it to the forefront. And these ladies, they're all. Uh, remarkable in what they say, you know, not not only yep. in this campaign, but in any anything anything football related. So um, I agree with them hundred percent overall. And uh, yeah, it's um, they're very well spoken by all all the ladies. Yes, for sure. And I I uh, I want to echo all of those sentiments. I completely agree. Um, I completely agree one hundred percent. And I want to thank the I want to thank the, uh, the the ladies that that came in. And I want to give everybody a chance to. Uh, understand where they can follow them on Twitter. Uh, we'll start with Chloe Beresford. You can find her at Chloe J Beresford, and Beresford is B E R E S F O R D. Laura Bradburn, you can find at Lbrad88. Um, so we thank you, Laura. Uh, Rosella Marai Rico, you can follow her at um, Rosella Marai. Uh, R-O-S-S-E-L-L-A, Marai, M-A-R-R-A-I. Uh, and then uh, Sonia Misio, uh, so you can follow her at Sonia Misio, S-O-N-J-A-M-I-S-S-I-O. And then also I want to recognize another um, uh, female guest we've had on, Julia Vila. Uh, you can follow her at J-J-V- Vills. that's J-J-V-I-L-L-Z. Um, and then also... Do check out Unusual Efforts. Uh, I believe it's Sonia. I believe it's uh, Kristen Schlavitz and uh, Jesse Loesch, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And then it's at Unusual Efforts. So it's U-N-U-S-U-A-L-E-F-F-O-R-T-S. Yep. All very, very talented ladies. All all, all, all uh, ladies that we um, have been very appreciative of being uh, supportive of our uh, of, of our podcast and being great guests. And certainly we'd love to have we're, – we're hoping we can have – each of them back at some point during the season. So, um, so that puts a wrap talking about the domestic abuse campaign that Serie A put on. Bravo, Serie A! Uh, very well done, very tasteful, very very tasteful yet confrontational. Got the point across and got people talking, and that's what you want to do with a cause like this. Uh, Richard is going to take us through the two big games of the weekend in Serie A. Yeah. 
There's only one game in town in this part of the world. Derby Day, the one that matters most. Welcome to the Luigi Ferrari Stadium for Genoa against Sampdoria in week 13 of the 2018-19 Serie A campaign. All right, yes. So uh, we transition from that to uh, two, the two marquee games of the weekend. Um, Derby de la Lanterna uh, between Genoa and Sampdoria, the Genoa Derby. And then, well, obviously, Lazio and Milan with uh, the Champions League place up for grabs. Um, or at least a battle, at least for now. It's not for grabs right now, but it, uh, those are the two teams in the spot right now. So we'll start at uh, the Luigi Ferrari. Um, the, the, this is a derby uh, that doesn't get the limelight it deserves. Uh, Italian fans know it well. It is one of the best derbies in the world, visually at least. Um, if you watch this game, in the, beginning, the, the TIFO was throughout the entire crowd. You had the Genoa, Genoa, um, Tifo up there from three quarters of the stadium and then the other, and then the Sampdoria section had their Tifo going. Uh, brilliant, brilliant display. It's just a, uh, a smidge of what this derby is all about. Um, two teams who actually, you know, they're, they had a, a you know, Genoa suffered a tragedy earlier this year with the bridge collapse. Um, so this is a very important game for both of them. They, they're both very close to each other. Um, and these two teams are very similar in the fact that they came in in the same form. Uh, they both had three losses out of their last four games, um, a draw and three consecutive losses coming into this one. Uh, you know, Genoa, they were riding hot, at least with uh, Christoph Piatic and, and goal-scoring terms until the last six games where he kind of ran into the big wigs of, of Serie A and kind of got shut down. Um, and rest of the rest of the pack, the Shark, if you will, uh, have caught up to him in, in the, at least in the Capocaninieri race. Meanwhile, Sampdoria, you know, they had an impressive win begin the season uh, against Napoli, but, you know, have had suspect play up and down, beating teams they shouldn't beat and losing to teams they had no right losing to. Uh, so this is a very big game for both teams. Uh, Genoa in particular, you know, Juric is on the hot seat. He needs a win in this one. Uh, for now, Marco Giampaolo's seat is, uh, fairly comfortable, but, uh, We've seen in this game before that a loss to your rival will end your your reign as a manager for for the team. We've seen it for both teams. So, uh, very very open game to begin the game. Uh, Fabio Qualiarella opened the scoring off a beautiful cross from the right hand side, gets his head in. Uh, I do not know what the goalie was thinking for Genoa there, Frank. Uh, but a good header, a poacher's instinct, uh, and the oldest man on the pitch gets a goal for uh, Sampdoria there to, to get the lead for them. Yeah, he finds he finds new ways to score, doesn't he? Um, just when you think you've seen it all. Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> if someone was going to score for Sampdoria, you knew it was going to be him, especially on this occasion. So, um, you know, having, uh, having said that, uh, came as a bit of a, you know, Sampdoria is, this is still an away match technically for Sampdoria, and I've always been picky about how they've, how they've performed in away matches. But uh, yeah. they got off to the right start here, and this was important to get this goal, especially you talk about Giampaolo here. Uh, certainly could use a win. Uh, certainly could use a win in a away fixture, even in a derby like this. So uh, great start, great goal from Qualiarella. Yeah, so eight minutes in, get, they get the goal in, uh, off to a good start, like you said. But it seemed like after they scored the goal, Genoa kind of turned the intensity up on, on Sampdoria. Uh, minutes later, uh, there's a beautiful cross in uh, over the defense. Uh, Piatek was the only one who seemingly read the play. Uh, he gets at the end of the pass, tries to chip over the goalie and just get around him, gets taken down by Aduro. 
Um, a penalty is called. Frank, before we get to the to the goal by Piatic, um, good good call for you on the penalty, or, or did you think it was more of an embellishment? No, no problem. Uh, it was it was the right call. Uh, surprised that Odero only got yellow for that though. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I thought for sure they would have sent him off. Uh, you know, because it was kind of a last man situation. Um, you know, Piantek had beaten him, uh, had gotten to the side, but, um, Hey, uh, you know, it was, uh, it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. And now we've got, uh, um, now we've got game on, uh, Piantek scores from the spot and, uh, breaks a, a, a little bit of a mini drought for, uh, uh, for the Polish international. Yeah, big goal for him. He looked cool and calm on the finish. I think as far as the penalty being called, I agree with you. It should have been probably a red because it wasn't like Piatic, you know, kicked the ball far away and he had no chance of getting the ball. He did a little cheeky little chip to get to, you know, had he not gotten taken down, he would have got to the end of it and got it and finished with a goal. So um, I agree with you. It probably should have been a red for Aduro. Um, lucky for Sampdoria that he did not get a red because pretty much the rest of the game – the the pitch favored towards Genoa's side. They had the better of the opportunities. Arduro probably had three, maybe four spectacular saves to keep it at 1-1. Um, Sampdoria had a couple opportunities here and there, uh, but for the most part, it was, it was the Genoa club who looked, you know, unlike themselves, really. They, they've been struggling all season long, but we, we talk about all the time, the derbies, it changes how, no matter what kind of form you're in, you know, the team's they, they it's start from scratch and it's a different animal and and Genoa certainly played like that. Sampdoria looked like their their um helter skelter type ways not being consistent, but Genoa they came to play boy and uh they they fully deserved a win in my opinion. But you know luckily Sampdoria they kept Arduro there and he and he kept it there to one one and both teams come away with this in a in a one one draw. Frank. Um, Typically, one-one games and derby games when they're when they end in a draw, they're not entertaining. I thought this one was fairly entertaining for the most part. I mean, the combination of you know the action on the pitch and the atmosphere, this game offered a lot for a one-one draw. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you that Genoa were definitely the better team in this game, um, and uh, while uh, Sampdoria did have a little bit more of the possession, uh, clearly the more dangerous chances belong to the Grifone. Um, I thought uh, I thought in particular Kwame was very very bright. Yeah, uh, yeah. played a terrific match. Uh, you know, you know, had 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 Piantic not maybe not getting the plaudits for for getting that equalizing penalty, you could argue that Kwame was the best player in this match. Um, <clears throat> you know, on the on the Sampdoria side, like I said, you know, having having Odero hold his nerve a little bit, um, keep things composed, make some key saves. Uh, you know, hang on to that point for Sampdoria. I think that that's important. You know, um, you know the Blue Karate really need to get something going here, though. Uh, so hoping, you know, for their sake that this is something that uh, maybe gets a, you know, gets a little boost for them. Um, you know, just uh, starting to have a look at their upcoming matches. Uh, they they host Bologna coming up uh, before traveling to Lazio. Then they host Parma. They travel to Empoli, hosting Chievo. So, um, you know and then finishing up at Juventus uh, for the year. So, th- th- you know, 
up until that Juventus game, a reasonable slate and a chance for them to accumulate some points. Uh, they're going to have to. They're going to have to show that they can do something here in that away match at Lazio. Um, you know, but uh, the the schedule definitely lightens up for Gianpaolo's men, and certainly uh, can present an opportunity for them to uh, get uh, get a few more points under the belt and work their way up the table. So. Let's see if this uh, hanging on to this point uh, is a launching pad for them. Yeah, absolutely, certainly, and uh, it's good to see Piatti get back on the scoreboard. We thought, you know, when we when we looked at the daunting run that Genoa had, we thought that the Derby was going to be a place where he could probably score because typically it's a little bit more open. We thought it would be a lot more open in this game. It wasn't. Um, Qualiarella got his goal. Piatti got his goal. Uh, so it was overall a, a good, entertaining game. Uh, so that's one headliner of the weekend. Uh, shifting over to the the Olimpico uh, for Lazio hosting Milan, um, another big game. Lazio, who currently hold a four spot, um, it's it's them and Milan head to head. Both teams look to be everyone's thinking they're going to be the fourth team right now because it's, it looks like Roma are starting to slip away. Um, so this one was an interesting game. Uh, we had two managers who. While they both are very passionate, they're very different. I think Inzaghi tends to be more the tactician type uh, manager, while in, uh, Gattuso tends to lead with more um, grinta and and motivation to try to get his players to do well. Not that Inzaghi doesn't, but um, it, they differ very much so in that in that respect. Uh, in this game, it was a tight game as you would expect. Um, Lazio certainly had a lot more of the chances in this in this game. Um, they owned a little bit more of the possession, um, but it was it was a pretty good game overall. Um, there was no scoring in the first half. Uh, the scoring really wouldn't start uh, until we got all the way to the 78th minute. Um, they're going to call this an own goal by Wallace, but I'm going to call it a goal all day by Kessie. Kessie with a beautiful shot. Um, it was a big goal for him because coming into this game, Frank, Lazio, they had pretty much all their guns going, and and Milan had a, a band-aid full of ragtag guys who were they wouldn't make most Serie A teams in the starting lineup, let alone Milan's. Um, but they were there, and they 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 were ready for this game. Uh, whatever Gattuso said, uh, he got them amped up, and then in the seventy eighth minute, they got the lead one nothing. Surprisingly to me. They were dangerous on the break. I mean, they generated some. I mean, the the, the I, it was interesting. The first half of this game. You know, uh, Bonetti, and, and I can't remember the guy that uh, that does the play-by-play. Mark Donaldson, I think is his name. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. You know, they called the game, and a lot of praise for Lazio having the possession. And, you know, the the one thing when I look at Gattuso's lineup, I, the, the Berlinis uh, as a left wing back was curious to me when Lachalt was on the bench. Um, yeah. And that was something that Lazio looked to expose. Uh, with 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 Marusic, he was getting forward and he was looking dangerous on a couple of occasions early on in the game. Uh, I would have seen that and I would have probably switched Calabria and Bellerini, uh and have Calabria work on that left hand side. But I think Gattuso maybe wanted to leave Calabria free, knowing that Lulic maybe not as much of a threat going forward could, uh, which could give Calabria some freedom to go forward and do some crossing because he does have a decent. That is a, a decent component of his game. It's a component of his game that is getting better. Um, you know, just trying to think, trying to get into Gattuso's head a little bit here. But, you know, for, for, for Lazio having the superiority in the first half, uh, the best chance came from Milan uh, with Chalhanolu uh, right? hitting the post. Um, so 
it was a very balanced. I, I don't agree with Bonetti or Donaldson at all. I thought it was a very balanced first half. Um, it just because Lazio had a little bit more possession and had a couple more shots that really didn't threaten Donnarumma. It, you know, that's why they looked so much better. Uh, but Milan's chances, they were doing something with. Um, so they were. this was going to be a hard work point or three points if they were going to get them. And, 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 and certainly... Certainly it paid off, and I'm happy for Cassie because I thought he was fantastic in this game. Um, you know, Marshall, him and Bakioko I thought were solid. Um, you know, when you take a look at uh, some of the other performances here, uh, and, and, and we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to kind of some of the action here later, uh, but the, the, the midfielders were very good. Chalhanula was good. Souza was good. Um, you know, they were definitely threatening for Lazio going the other way. Uh, you know, and then on the Lazio side, I thought that Luis Alberto, it's as good as he's played in a long time. Um, Bedell getting the start was, was very effective. Yeah, uh, you absolutely. know, the guys in the middle of the cup, the guys in the middle of the park were the ones that really controlled this game. Oh, absolutely. And then I think the one player who probably didn't have the greatest of games for Lazio was Wallace. Um, before that goal that was a technically own goal, he had an opportunity to give Lazio the lead, and Donnarumma came down with a brilliant save. To it was a low shot, low header uh, that he got down for and parted away. Uh, and then minutes later, you know, Kessier takes a shot, deflects off Wallace, and goes in the end goal. So that a couple minutes stretch where uh, he didn't have the best of times there. Um, so Milan has the lead. Um, Seventy-eight minutes, twelve minutes to go. You think they're sitting pretty, right? Um, you know, the clock's ticking away, tick ticking away. Uh, Gattuso surprisingly hadn't made any substitutions and didn't even intend to make any substitutions as the game went on. Um, going into the fourth minute of stoppage time, um, the new man, Korea, uh, opportunistic to say the least, takes a great shot, beats Donnarumma, nothing he could have done about it. It was just a great, great play by Korea to, to be heads up on the, on the play. Knowing what what the opportunity was there and getting the game tying goal at the death of the game, game ends one one. Um, what did you make of first the goal? Because I, I thought Korea did really well to to capitalize on a, on a bouncing ball like that and then finishing it in the way he did. Terrific goal, Christian Zapata's only mistake of the match. Really, yeah, and you're it right. was sad because you know I'm ready to crown him man of the match. Uh, and I, you know, I never thought I'd see the day. You know what? I think he's still the man of the match for him to be the only cent, you know, true center half to play in that lineup and to have everything together. Um, you know, for what, you know, given the gravity and given the responsibility that he had in that game, Christian Zapata was the best player on the pitch. Everybody is welcome to fight me on that. Okay. Um, because it's going to be the only time I ever say it about Christian Zapata. <laughs> so, I was waiting for that shoe to drop. Except for the other time a year when, when, uh, when, when he got the uh, equalizing goal in the Derby. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but even, th- but then he had a horrible game and the, and, and the goal bailed him out. But, uh, but anyway, um, so, so that's where, that's where I sit with this, uh, that's where I sit with his performance, man. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was terrific, and I thought it was just such a damn pity that um, he couldn't. I mean, it was a failed clearance. It was kind of it was a it was a tired clearance, really. Um, he he just didn't get anything on it, and it just fell pretty easy to um, 
uh, to Correa, and, but give Correa credit, took his chance and took it really well. Uh, and Donnarumma never saw it. Um, no, no. You know, so uh, a, a great finish by Lazio, uh, a great finish by Correa. Uh, uh, just because there's just such a uh, a a a a, 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 a um, what's the opposite of surplus? Uh, <laughs> a scarcity of goals this weekend, which we haven't seen in a long, long time. Uh, Correa's goal is my goal of the week. Uh, considering the technique, considering the fact that it rescued a point for Lazio. Uh, but for Milan, I think this is, I, I think for both teams, I think this is fair. I, I think a point was fair considering how both teams perform. I thought this was an awfully balanced game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I will stick to my guns that Christian Zapata was the best player in this game. And uh, enjoy that because that's going to probably be the only time I ever say that. I have two questions for you, one for each team. Um, for Lazio, you know, you coming into this game, you got all your players in this lineup. Milan are obviously struggling with injuries and you come away with a last minute draw. Does that do anything to the psyche of Lazio as far as, Hey, look, we should have, we really should have beat this Milan team. Um, but considering, you know, considering who they had on the pitch, but, we we just we just struggle to get a draw in this one, so that's the Lazio side of it. And then the Milan side, which has been trending on Twitter, is the uh, substitution gate, where some some weeks they 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 rail against Gattuso for the substitutions he make. In this game he doesn't make any, and they go rail, they rail against him there. So uh, tackle those both both those subjects if you, if you would. I'll start with the Lazio one because it's a pretty quick one for me. Okay, they've okay, okay. They have got they have run through Juve, Napoli, Roma, Milan, and Inter already. They've they've run through all five games. They've they've run through all five teams. Played five, one point, and it took a point against an understrength Milan team at the death. Um, that is not going to get it done if you want to finish top four. So. Uh, as far as the psyche, yes, there are big problems here for Lazio. Uh, and I, I find this Lazio to be a team that's going to drop points against some of these other guys. I, you know, Sampdoria, for as bad as they've been away, I think they can go to Lazio and win here in a few weeks. Um, you know, uh, I think they're going to have their problems with the Fiorentinas in the, of this world coming down, you know, coming down the shoot, the Atalantas, uh, you know, the Torinos, uh, you know, you know, Parma and Sassuolo, I think their table position still flatters them at the moment. I think the other shoe will drop with each of them at some point. Uh, but I think in the case of Lazio, I said, yeah, I, the problems continue. You, if you're going to beat top four, if you're going to take the next step forward under Simone Inzaghi, you've got to start beating this, these big teams around you. They are not doing that. Um, now, substitution gate. I really didn't have a problem with Gattuso not sub- subbing anyone. Uh, I, I didn't. Who are you going to put in? The only we were available, Frank. <laughs> well, I know. I really didn't have a problem, and and Milan Twitter really need to shut up, and really need to appreciate the fact that this is a Milan that's in fifth place, that's a point out of fourth, that went to the Olimpico, got a point. Can we be gutted and can we feel angry that we dropped two points? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. You've got five minutes after the match to go and break something tasteful. If you're Steve Polillo from Milan Weekly Pod, you go ahead and smash your table, okay? But then get on with your life. The Gattuso is doing a fine job 
with limited resources to work with, went to the Olympico, got a point, probably more than any of us could have expected. Okay. So to now start splitting hairs and saying, well, why didn't he make any substitutions to waste time and all this other stuff? Do you, does it matter? I only see, I looked at that substitute bench. There's only one player I would have called on. I would have brought on Lex Salt for Barini. That's it. Um, you know, after that, I don't know who else you bring out. I don't know, and I don't know how, and I don't know why. So I am, I don't have a problem with him not making any substitutions because there was only one that I would have made. I think, um, and I'll, I'll differ just ever so slightly. I think, <laughs> I think a more seasoned manager would have found ways to make substitutions, not for the sake of making substitutions, uh, or, you know, positional wise, but to, in fact, try to wear out that clock. Now, with that said, had, you know, the only player Milan would have been able to brought in, in our opinion, would have been Lax, Laxoff or Barini. I uh, could have brought him in, you know, in the, in the 90th plus minute to do that. But I think what ultimately would have happened would have been the same result. Because the referee would have tacked on whatever extra time they they used yeah. for the substitution, and they would have found a way again uh, to probably to get an equalizer. Because Lazio were pressing, and uh, it was deserved deserved draw by them. So um, while I would have loved to see more a substitution there, uh, just to try to waste some time, because you know the, the the tacticians of the world would have done that. Um, I think ultimately the result would have ended the way it did. So um, I can't fault him too much, but I you know. Conventional wisdom tells you that you should use your substitutions if you got them, right? Um, but in Milan's case, you have to think about it. They really had no one to put on the pitch other than Lack Salt. So um, you can't fault him too much. If, if they have a healthy squad and he does that, yeah, I'm going to give him a stick. But I'm going to give him a slide on this one because, like you said, who do they have to put on there? So not like they had a Immobile here or Luis Alberto or Monica Savage on the bench or or um, or um, Saicedo or whoever. They didn't have anybody, so... Um, I don't give, I don't fault him too much on, on, on the non-substitution. So here was the substitutes bench. Okay, let me read it off to you. Alessandro Pizzari, Pepe Reina, obviously not. You're not going to substitute a goalkeeper unless he's hurt. Uh, Stefan Simic, absolutely not. Ricardo Montalivo, God no. Um, Jose Mauri, no. Andrea Conti, don't throw him in a game like this. Don't he's risk not him ready. Uh, Samu Castillejo, maybe. Eh. Maybe, but not for Chalhanolu or Suzo. They were excellent. You probably for Cutroni and just have him chase down, have him chase down balls yeah. and clearances and see if yeah. you get lucky and steal another one. Fine, maybe. Okay, Bertolacci, no. Diego Lasalle, the one guy I would have put on, would have put him on for Berini. Uh Alan Halilovic, no. And then uh, Frank uh, Sajut, who I think is coming up, came up from the Primavera uh, to make the substitute bench. Clearly, no. Um, so. You know, that was what was available. And so I, I'm sorry. I'm not not subscribing to this theory that if there would have been three substitutions in stoppage time that Milan would have won the game. Don't believe it. So. So that's uh, that's the two headliners of this weekend. What else you got? Well, let's move on and let's uh, batch up the rest of uh, Match Week 13 because this was a, uh, a, a pretty aggravating uh, match week to go through. Oh, we had 10 games, Richard, and we had 18 goals. Yikes. So, uh, you know, so uh, this was your father's Serie A. This was my father's <laughs> Serie A for sure. So we talked about a couple of 1-1 draws. Uh, the action started on Saturday, Udinese beating Roma 
by a goal to nil. It was Rodrigo de Paul, uh, a goal of the week candidate. It'll definitely be in the top five, in my opinion. Uh, and we called this, didn't we? We did. We thought it was ripe with the with the coaching change that this could happen in in a in a suspect Roma as of late. Um, so good by Udinese. Rodrigo de Paul has been having a heck of a season this year, and uh, it's good to see that he got the game winner there. But um, we yeah we thought this was going to happen with the manager change. Uh, debut win for Davide Nicola and uh, Udinese get a much needed three points. Uh, Juventus at home against Spal, and Juventus do what they do against inferior teams at home. They win two nil. Um, Ronaldo and Mandzukic. Um, there's really not. I mean, the, the, there's, there, this is eh, meh. Move on. It's Juve winning two nil against the bottom half team. Yep. Right. And, you, and Ronaldo's now one goal behind Piatek for the Capo Canigneri. So. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Um, Inter. It was the uh, Keita Balde and Lautaro Martinez show. There, they win three nil. Keita with two goals. His first, a goal of the week candidate. Lautaro. Lautaro's goal sandwiched in between. Uh, Keita's two goals, but uh, when they weren't scoring, they were providing for each other. That's kind of how it panned out. Um, and um, Inter, resourceful Inter? That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, Inter are... This was a good-looking squad, um, Who they had, what they had out there. And I, and I thought, um, really, the guy who didn't get the attention that he maybe you know should have... Um, I mean, really, it's a bunch of guys, but I mean... Nyangalan was busy in this one. Politano was doing well, but Lartun Martinez and, and Keita with no Icardi, they didn't look like they were missing him, did they? Uh, those two, Keita, Keita Balde, man, he, he's an animal. He's finally, uh, getting the pitch time, uh, with, with Inter. Um, he's gonna be, he's gonna be dumb, doing something special for them down the run, and maybe this is what they need, uh, Laturo to get on the page, uh, Keita get on the page with Icardi and Perisic, and when this team has gone, you know, going full blast and have Brozovic back there pulling the strings, Look out! They they could you know creep back into this race. They're not far off right now. They're only one point I think behind Napoli, but um, they got some talent on this team, and they're finally getting this chemistry, which is important. And they got a shutout, Handanovic with a beautiful save in this one. So uh, good Inter. It's uh, yeah, resourceful Inter. It's uh, it's uh, it's a different Inter, perhaps. We will see. But yeah. as of right now, it looks like Spalletti's pulling the right strings. Yep, give it time, but. Uh... Most important here is uh, some key players were rested ahead of the big game midweek against Tottenham in the Champions League, which we will talk about later. Um, uh, the action on Sunday actually began with Parma beating Sassuolo by two goals to one. Javinho added again, uh, and Bruno Alves making it 2-0. Uh, Kuma Babacar with a penalty for the Nero Verdi. Uh, Parma in sixth. And Sassuolo dropping to eight. Parma, Parma now all of a sudden taking over from Sassuolo as the surprise story of the season. Absolutely. They're uh, up in sixth place, and they're making my pick of them looking to survive uh, a, a golden one at this moment. Yeah. Pretty much going to take a uh, 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 <clears throat> a collapse of epic proportions for that uh, to, for the, for them to go down now at this point. Bologna and Fiorentina, uh, you know, they did play. Believe me, they did play. <laughs> at least, well, Fiorentina played. They took 19 shots, uh, but the game ended nil-nil. Bologna, uh, you know, lived on their nerves here uh, and came away uh, with a precious point. And again, Fiorentina really having a hard time putting teams away and putting games away that they should be. 
Yeah, you got to blame uh, Skorupski in this one because he was fantastic for Bologna. Um, Alban Lafont had to make one or two saves, but yeah, it was, you know, Simeone missing key chances and uh, other guys uh, not capitalizing and uh, Skorupski playing bigger than he is and uh, good performance by him. He's a, He's been a solid goalkeeper for several years now and uh, maybe he's got a home here at Bologna, but uh, he came up big and he he deserved all the point that they that they got out of this one. Mm-hmm, indeed. Uh, from a game that uh, was one-sided without goals to a game that had just about everything you could ask for, Empoli and Atalanta, <laughs> um, Remo Freuler opening the scoring uh, to put Atalanta a goal ahead. Uh, Empoli gets a penalty, and Francesco Caputo, my cousin, who I'm embarrassed that he's related to me for missing a penalty like this, uh, hits, the, <laughs> hits the woodwork, <laughs> and it leads going. It's a two-goal swing. Uh, you, you rarely yeah. see a two-goal swing in football. Yeah. <laughs> you saw it here. This should have been a penalty that could have been 1-1. Instead, it hits the wood where it goes the other way. Atalanta on the counterattack where a cross uh, from Duvan Zapata finds Hans Hattabor. And Atalanta are 2-0 up. Um, and uh, But Lagumina, Antonio Lagumina finally... Uh, comes good and gets his first Serie A goal for Empoli to get within 2-1. And um, I want to dedicate, I'm going to go on the radio later, uh, the popular radio stations around here later, Richard, and I am going to uh, dedic- give a dedication to Andrea Masiello. The song will be Had a Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Um, <laughs> because uh, he, uh, he was... Um, I, I believe he was the man that committed the foul that led to the uh, the penalty there on uh, Caputo that fortunately spared his blushes. Uh, but then he would uh, put the ball in his own net, uh, you know, granted under some pressure by Lagomina in that situation, but, uh, you know, certainly did that. So uh, things were not going well for Masiello. Um, things were definitely not going well for Josip Ilicic either. Did not like a call against him, said something very vulgar <laughs> about the referee's mother, and got sent off. Uh, shortly after that, it was Pasquale hitting Silvestri. I told you that everything happened in this game. Yeah. Uh, for the winner to give Empoli a 3-2 win. Yakini effect. They're unbeaten under him and out of the drop. Maybe those Empoli owners do know what they're doing after all. Yeah, and you got to give it to Lagomina. Lagomina had himself uh, finally had himself a game. Uh, this is what they've been clamoring for since they bought him uh, to replace Donnarumma in the off season. And I'm going to give him both goals. Um, uh, he kicked it into Masiello and, the, and then going into the into the net. Um, so I'm gonna give him two, give him two goals. But yeah, he was all over the place. And yeah, yeah Kini, uh he's having a positive effect on this team, no doubt. And they're out of the relegation fight for now. Um, as as are Udinese. Uh, but yeah, Empoli, their uh, their free form play is finally starting to pay off, and they're starting to get some goals. Um, this is more an embarrassing loss by Atalanta than oh, I don't know. It's it's a tough call because it's a great win by Empoli, but also a terrible loss by Atalanta, being up two nothing. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's a, I mean, this is the difference between Atalanta now sitting in ninth, where they could have been in sixth, and really on the heels of being in the top four. Um, so this one's going to sting for a little while for Gasparini's men. Let's see. If they bounce back, uh, and then two games remaining after that, um, and uh, you know, contrary to uh, contrary to rumors, yes, they actually played both of them, uh, Napoli and Kievo. Uh, probably the one, <coughs> you know, this might this one might fight the Udinese Roma result for the most surprising of the weekend. Napoli nil, Kievo nil, Richard. Um, yeah. 
uh, Napoli, 63% possession, 17 shots, 10 on target. Uh, really, did they make? Did the goalkeeper make 10 saves in this game? He made eight. Okay. Um, Sorrentino and, was good. Yep, Sorrentino was good, and he, you know, he still turns up a, you know, he turns, he still turns up a good one from time to time. So, uh, you know, not terribly surprising that he was good here, but uh, <coughs> um, Napoli, this is. This is ugly because they're going to be homing. Excuse me. They rotated their squad pretty significantly. And they're hosting Cervantes uh, Ve- Vezda at midweek. But um, uh, still, even with a rotated squad, they should be getting points here, should, shouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, this is, even with the squad that they put out there, this is a team that should have, been, should have beaten Kievo. Uh, Kievo is going to do this for the rest of the season. They've already done this for the last so many games. Um, they're going to set up shop and then try to try to get a draw out of it. Maybe sneak a counter on you and get a goal that way. But um, this is what Kievo has been doing. They're going to try to bore you to death, and it's what they did with with Napoli. And really, Koulibaly at the death nearly had a spectacular goal to get the win, but he just missed. Um, Sorrentino tends to play big against the big teams. His two best games this season were again in this game against Napoli with eight saves, and then uh, against Juventus in the opener, uh, where he made some stellar saves to deny Cristiano Ronaldo his um, goals in the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating for Napoli. I, I get why they rotated their guys. Sorrentino says that beat Liverpool in the Champions League at their place, but this is going to be at the San Paolo, I believe. So. Um, I wouldn't think it'd be that big a deal, but it's a big match. They need the points. I understand why Ancelotti did it, um, but it really the guys who played in the game they should have done better with their finishes. Yeah, they had ten on target, but uh, they need to they need to finish better. Um, there was that four, they had a four on two at one point in this game, and they couldn't capitalize on it. So um, you know, really, it's really on them for not getting the three points in this one. So yeah, I agree with you there. And then the uh, the Monday match, Cagliari and Torino. Uh, Alessio Cranio, clearly the man of the match here. Torino put on a very good display and just could not come away with all three points. Um, side note on this one, uh, Walter Mazzotti was hospitalized, uh, and I don't, there's not a whole lot being discussed about what happened, uh, but was not available and did not travel with the team um, because his assistant coach was giving the press conference and some of the other things. And, uh, you know, so whatever whatever Matsari is suffering from, we certainly hope he recovers from it quickly. Um, but uh, important point for Cagliari to try to prove that they're still among the big boys and just signs that this is a continually improving team. We talked about this last week with our listener questions. The yeah. talent's there. Um, and Cagliari is certainly a difficult place to play. And, and Torino had their chances to come away with all three points and learn the hard way that it was it was a a uh, harder ask of them than uh, than probably what they uh, they imagined. Uh, 100%. Um, they got a, Cranio is a fantastic goalie. I mean, there's a reason he's been called up to Azuri pretty much every time. Um, as of late, uh, he, he's a fantastic goalie and he keeps him in games, uh, certainly gives him chances to win. Um, so if it wasn't for him in this game, it could have been Torino by a big margin, but, um, good for, good find by them. Good, good for him to have a big game and, uh, hopefully they can use this as a catapult, like you said, to, to continue making their way up and maybe, hey, maybe they get mid table this year. Maybe they go higher than that. I know their, their fans, uh, are clamoring for that and hoping for that because, uh, it's so, for so long, Cagliari's been the laughing stock of, um, Syria, really. So, uh, good for them to have a, a, a good moment and hope they can keep progressing because, uh, going to the island to play is never an easy thing. And, uh, they can, if they can get some 
consistency and build on that, uh, they could be a daunting team to play, uh, especially if they are a top 10 contender or, you know, whatever mid table contender. So, yep, definitely, definitely. And let's, uh, let's have that take us to the table, Richard. Um, Juventus now an eight point gap. I, this thing's over already. A third of the way into the season. Yikes. Well, it, it's, it, it does look that way, right? But like I was saying before, Inter could be, Inter Napoli are still going to be in it. Um, they're losing value points, especially Napoli. Napoli, we thought we were going to go toe to toe with Juventus and they had a couple of, uh, head scratching draws in the last, you know, so many weeks. And so, uh, that doesn't help things at all. Um, Inter being uh, a strong Inter this year is not going to help either. Um, they're going to make that race even tighter. Um, going to next weekend, I mean, there's some big games um, up ahead. But, uh, yeah, it, it certainly looks like you, it says Juventus' Scudetto to lose. It, that The real battle is going to be for the last Champions League spot, really, because uh, right now you have a bunch of teams trying to get that, and it's really owned by Lazio by a point at this time. Yep. Juventus and Inter. Friday, December 7th. Ooh. It's coming before you know it, but uh, you may have to worry about a Champions League game against Valencia and then traveling to Fiorentina, which is actually a very uh, underrated rivalry uh, yeah. in Serie A. Uh, a lot of storylines that go with that. So, um, you know, so there's enough on Juve's plate before they even get to that game. Uh, but uh, they've, they, they've certainly... Uh, They've certainly proved it. Boy, the scheduling gods really weren't very friendly to Juve down the stretch. Uh, when you look at it, they get the, the, as far as the league is concerned, the remaining fixtures uh, for the rest of 2018 at Fiorentina, hosting Inter, uh, and then the Derby, uh, where Torino is the home team, then hosting Roma uh, at Atalanta, then hosting Samp. Um, oh. So, yeah, they, they decided to give the champions a, a challenging finishing kick this go around, but the, the concern here is by the time the reverse fixtures happen later in the year, the title might already be wrapped up and these games <laughs> might not have that much meaning. So, All right. uh, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, you know, Napoli and Inter there on 29 and 28, pretty safe to say they're going to occupy it. They're going to be fighting for second and third, uh, you know, throughout the season. And then it's all about that fourth position right now where it's Lazio and Milan, you know, Roma, you know, Parma, Roma, Sassuolo, Atalanta, Fiorentino, Torino, and, and Sampdoria. I mean, it's still going to be very, very tight. Uh, it's going to be a battle for those remaining European places, not just fourth, but for fifth and sixth. And uh, that's where we're going to uh, get our enjoyment and our excitement, aren't we? Yeah, and Milan play Parma next week, so that's a battle of fifth and sixth right there. So, yeah, it's, it just gets juicier every week. Uh, uh, the races in, in, in Serie A, while the Scudetto may not quite be that juicy right now, um, you know, certainly the, the European spots are, and uh, as well as the relegation battle, um, I'm sure at the end of the season will be tight. So, yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, and down to that relegation, uh, Empoli got out. Bologna is sitting in 18th, and uh, Frosinone struggling, but not in. They just ran into a buzzsaw at Inter, but until then, we're starting to accumulate some points. So there's still a thing here. Chievo just it's it's going to be very very tough for them going forward. Yeah, it looks uh, doesn't look doesn't look too good for Kievo, but um, the the person I'm going to be worried about right now is um Bologna and and Inzaghi. um, uh, you know, how how much long how how long can that seat remain hot? Uh, Empoli they just got out of the zone. Udinese are on the up. Spa they're they're doing their thing and and Genoa. So really, it's it's going to come down to Bologna, Frosinone. You know, are they going to do something to improve their current situation? Um, we will see in the in the in the short term. Yep, for sure. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to play for here at this point. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, it's um, and uh, you know, as far as the title, that's wrapped up. But there's a going to be a big fight for fourth, fifth, and sixth at this point. It looks like Inter and Napoli in a dog fight for second and third, and then that relegation uh, battle should get interesting. So still lots to talk about. Um, and uh, what are your eyes on on as far as the table is concerned? Go to at City. I sit down on Twitter. Or Instagram with your thoughts. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up with a preview of Europe. All right, Champions League match day five, Richard, and these are the reverse fixtures of match day uh, one. And uh, the action, I believe, begins uh, with uh, Juve. Is it is it Juve and? Uh, Juve and Valencia tomorrow. and yeah, uh, and Roma and Real Madrid. Roma and Real Madrid. Okay, so the two Italian teams with home matches tomorrow. Um, uh, Juve, Juventus right now, top of Group H on nine points, uh, will take on Valencia, um, who are still in a position to possibly qualify, uh, although a loss for Los K could put them in big, big trouble. Uh, for Juventus, a win here. Uh, just to solidify their place in the knockout stage, but we'll still have a little bit of work to do uh, ahead, you know, to secure the group win and maybe avoid some of the big boys that are going to go on as group winners. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on Juve going in? This is obviously, you see Ronaldo maybe getting a little bit of revenge after getting that red card on match day one. Yeah, I certainly think so. He's been hot as of late as well, getting a lot of goals. I think Juve are going to try to make a point to try to end this quick and um, secure that top spot that they deserve in the group. Um, Valencia, they've had an up-and-down season in La Liga. They've only had three wins. Uh, they've had a bunch of draws, um, but they're certainly underperforming, and I think uh, an inform Juventus, an inform Ronaldo, only spells trouble, and I, I I feel that a goal or two is going to come, at least from Ronaldo's sake. It could be more, but um, I'm going to go with a a good result by Juventus. I'm going to say 3-0. I'm going to say two nil because that's how Juve rolls. I, I, true, I don't think true. this is a three goal. I don't think this is a three goal team. So, uh, the rematch: uh, Real Madrid battered Roma on match day one by a score of three goals to nil. Uh, they are tied at the top of the group. Uh, a draw for each of them. They're not totally out of the weeds actually because uh, CSKA could win and still have something to say about this. Although. On match day six, CSKA go to Real Madrid. Roma go to Plaza, uh, go to Pilsen. Uh, but let's focus on the task at hand at the Olimpico. Roma taking on Real Madrid. We've seen this with Roma. They they shit the bed in the league match ahead of the European game, and then they come out in the European game and they surprise everybody. This is a Real Madrid team that's starting to play a little bit better under Santi uh, under Santi Solari. Uh, what do you expect? This is a pretty big one. Uh, you know, Roma, a Roma with a point ought to be, yeah, with a point, Roma's through uh, to the next stage because they have that advantage over CSKA. Uh, but uh, how do you see uh, this one shaking out? I mean, Real Madrid recently lost the Ibar, so they probably got that back in their mind that they want to uh, do better off of that uh, result. Um, so I think they're going to be ready to play, and, and as you said, when Roma usually shit houses it, they tend to show up in European games. They've done, they did it against Chelsea, did it against Atletico last year. 
I think they're going to do it again. Um, Sabre Di Francesco, while he may not be getting it right in Serie A, he certainly does in, in the in Champions League, and I think he's going to show up in this one. I think it's going to be a draw. Um, I'll give a score draw on this one, 1-1 or something, but um, I, f- I fully expect Roma to bounce back despite their deficiencies in Serie A, uh, should have a good performance and, and do well in this one and, and give Real Madrid really all they can handle. Uh, the score draw would be uh, enough for Roma to go through. It would put Real Madrid top of the group uh, with a game to play uh, against CSK in Moscow, but qualification for them not necessarily guaranteed because of that loss in Moscow. So it's kind of an interesting scenario. And we're, we're saying all of this assuming that CSK are going to beat Pilsen uh, on match day five and get to seven points. So you think there'll be a draw there between Roma and Real Madrid then? I do, absolutely. Okay. I just like how Real Madrid of all of us they, they yeah the loss to Ibar is certainly concerning. Um, you know I I think that they have found a little bit back here. I get that there's some Roma magic here under Di Francesco in Europe uh, here in these last couple of years, but I'm going to just ever so slightly uh, nip Real Madrid ahead of Roma and win this game by two goals to one. Uh, you know to take firm command of the group to uh, clinch the group. Uh, and force Roma to have to go out and uh, get a point uh, at Victoria Pilsen on match day six. Um, Wednesday, we have Napoli hosting Zervana Zvezda. Let's break down Group C, Richard. <clears throat> Napoli technically topped the group on head-to-head with Liverpool on six points. Liverpool, six points as well. But until that head-to-head, what they do apparently with these standings, because they have Roma top of uh, their group right now, when the head-to-head completes, when the home-and-away completes, they'll assess that tiebreaker. So, you know, Napoli did beat Liverpool. They should be in first, Liverpool second. Perry, they're each on six points. Perry Saint-Germain on five. Serena Zvezda on four. Um, Napoli are going to win against Serena Zvezda, in my opinion. I think it's not going to be as easy as, as people might suggest. I don't think they're going to com- completely crush this thing. I'm going to go for something like 2-0. I think they're going to get a boatload of chances, and they're going to be able to sneak a couple of them in. How do you see it going down? Yeah, um, no, that's a good shout. Uh, you know, Napoli at home, you got to always take them. It's funny, actually. Sorvena uh, Svezda, formerly known as Red Star Belgrade, though on UEFA Champions League website they actually have him as Red Star Belgrade. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I think Napoli they sh- it's, they should win this game. It's not going to be easy. Sorvena uh, Svezda is a better at home for sure. Their crowd is, is is a hard place to play, as is like Olympiacos and several of those Balkan countries. Um, but this is on the road. Uh, while they have may have some road traveling contingent, I think you know they may get a goal in this one. I think, but oh, I think Napoli are too much for them. Napoli gonna Napoli are gonna dominate possession. I say something like a two one victory for Napoli. Okay, two um, one for Napoli. I'm going two nil. I mean, most importantly, we're concerned about PSG hosting Liverpool because a draw there and Napoli are through. Um, and then it's a matter of whether they go through as group winners or second place when they go to Anfield on match day six. Uh, a Liverpool win would be the most desired. Um, a PSG win uh, would mean Napoli nine, Paris Saint-Germain eight, Liverpool six, and Napoli still have work to do going to Anfield on match day six. So they either want uh, a Liverpool win or a draw 
in Paris uh, on match day five, just so everybody can keep track. Did you get all that, Richard? I think carry to seven. Yeah, I think I think I'm good with that. Now. <laughs> okay. You never carry a seven. When do you carry a seven? What math goes on in your world that you're carrying a seven? Cricket. Like a one or a two, maybe, but a seven. I've never been in a world. You stole Presidente's calculator from Milan Weekly Pod, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> All right. Uh, so on Wednesday, uh, probably the most important one as far as Serie A fans are concerned, if you want to see all four teams getting through, Inter traveling to Wembley to take on Tottenham. Tottenham have found themselves after beating Sarri's Chelsea 3-1 at the weekend. Inter resting some players after, you know, in the 3-0 win over Frosinone. Uh, a draw is good enough for Inter uh, to qualify for the round of 16 and would uh, effectively eliminate Tottenham from this uh, part of the competition. Tottenham still have to go to the Camp Nou, while Inter still hosts PSV on Match Day 6. You don't want it to get to that. You want Inter to take care of business in some shape, form, or fashion on Wednesday. The question is, Richard, will they take care of business on Wednesday? You know, you look at their B lineup, and their B lineup is so strong, and they're going to have members of those B lineup into their A lineup. Um, you fully expect Inter to be ready for this one, to show, to be, to show up on the road. Um, yeah, it's Wembley Stadium. Yeah, it's, it, it's Tottenham, Tottenham, and a hard place to play. They're a hard team to play against. Um, but we've seen it already, you know, so far the Champions League campaign. Inter are not scared to go anywhere, really, and they, they show themselves, for the most part, pretty well everywhere they've gone, whether it be a home or away. I fully expect, uh, Inter to do, be resourceful, Inter, uh, the theme we're going, going on tonight. Um, be resourceful and, and come away with a score draw. Uh, in this one, I fully expect them. They may go down early, but I I think they have enough firepower to to get a goal and then lock up shop um, and try to get away with a with a draw in this one. And that's what I'm going to expect. Uh, I'm going to go one one. One one. Yep. I will do that too. I think Inter get the job done. I think they should house it. <laughs> 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 but they're going to do it. Uh, I. I I see this Tottenham team starting to get a little bit better. They're starting to finally get their legs, but I think it's just going to be a touch too late for them as far as qualifying beyond the uh, the group stage. I think, first of all, Hugo Lloris is in excellent form uh, and is going to be very difficult to score on. But I think that Inter are going to find – Inter have some pretty good defenders that can deal with Harry Kane. They've got some work rate type midfielders like Brozovic, who will be able to run down some things and make things difficult for the midfield. So I think they match up pretty well with uh, Tottenham in this game. I think they're going to take a little bit of abuse here from the English side, but I think they're going to get the result that they need to qualify. So I'm going to go with an inter draw here by one goal to one. Um, I think Icardi leaks one uh, late on. Um, and I think uh, <clears throat> I think Harry Kane comes good for Tottenham in that, uh, assuming both of them start. I don't see why they wouldn't. So you have a draw. For Inter, you have a win for Napoli. I have a win for Napoli. You have a draw for Roma. I have a loss for Roma. And we both think Juve will win. So let's move on to the Europa League. Uh, and we will start with Milan. They host the Dude Lounge. Um, <laughs> or Dude Lounge. Uh, who, Dude Lounge without a point. Group F right now. Real Betis at eight points. Milan seven. Olympiacos seven. Um, Betis host Olympiacos. So if Milan win this game against Udalanga, which they're going to, and this is going to be a another frustrating, Milan Twitter is going to be really upset. 
yes. kind of thing. It's going to be 2 0. It's not going to be a five goal blowout. Um, it's going to be just a, the, the, the personnel's not there for them to do it. Many of these guys are probably not going to play a big game against Parma next weekend. They need to, you know, they're going to try to go about doing this the right way. Iguain's going to play because he's suspended for the Parma match. Um, Castileo is going to probably play. You know, some other guys are going to get a bit of a run out. Uh, Reyna, I imagine, will play in goal. But I see Milan only getting maybe two goals out of this, Richard. Uh, but they will possess it 75% of the way. Um, and they will, uh, they, will get, they will get an Iguain brace. You think it's going to be that close, seventy five percent to twenty five percent? Yeah. Um, no, I I agree with you one hundred percent. I think it's it's not going to be pretty. They're going to get the they're going to get the job done. They're going to win. Uh, I, I like the two nothing scoreline there. Um, it's uh, Milan Twitter are going to have a fit that day. I guarantee it. We saw it in the first game they played, and they didn't look that impressive against the Dude Lounge. Um, but um, I fully expect the big the same. And really, my eye is going to be on Real Betis Olympiacos because that's going to be an interesting game there. So. Um, for Milan's sake, hopefully they win, and then we can see uh, Betty's uh, handling business there as well. Yep, for sure, <clears throat> for sure. So, um, so even with the win, and provided if 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 Betis can get uh, Milan, are going to have to go to Olympiacos and get something to qualify for the next stage. Um, they uh, they are not in a position at the moment where. Uh, they are safe in their qualification, even though they did win at home against Olympiacos. Uh, they are going to have to uh, uh, make sure they get the right result to avoid getting dumped from the Europa League at the group stage. So if Betis beat Olympiacos, which is expected, they'll be on 11 points. Milan will be on 10. Olympiacos will be on 7. It'll come down to match day 6 in Greece, where a draw will be good enough for Milan or the or the right defeat. i got to go back and even double-check what the aggregate would look like there. So... That's what we're looking at as far as Milan's prospects of qualifying for the next stage. As for Lazio, they're already through, uh, and will tra- will uh, they host? I believe they host Apollon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Richard, um, rotation. I think we're going to see some Felipe Saicedo. Uh, I think we're going to see some. Uh, we're going to see some Barisha. I think we're going to see a whole bunch of guys that uh, Simone Inzaghi typically doesn't play. Yeah, and what happens when that usually happens? Lazio win big, and they're gonna probably win like three nothing in this one. I agree. Um, they're gonna they're they're doing very well in Europe League. And they're doing Serie A proud, and I think they're gonna continue with the, with the wins and uh, keep on keep on leading that group by big margin. Yep, for sure, for sure. So uh, you know, Lazio already qualified. Milan, we're watching a little more closely as far as qualifying for the next stage. So uh, uh, we will definitely have. <clears throat> our eye on that. So that was the European roundup. Um, let's uh, let's see if we're right. Uh, but with that, we will put a bow on this edition of the City. I sit down. Time to uh, shameless plug. Richard, you first. Yes. Uh, so this past week, uh, I got to go on the. Uh, it's the podcast Rosneri Svierga, um, which is a podcast out of Sweden, Milan-based podcast. Mm. Uh, those guys were fun. Uh, it's a Swedish podcast, but my segment wasn't English. Uh, so yeah, hear me there for like 10, 15 minutes, uh, talking about Milan. Um, so it's, it's good. It, it just came out today. So give that a listen. Uh, you can follow them at PC underscore R O S S O N E R I. Uh, it's PC underscore Rossoneri. 
uh, follow there and you'll, you can find the podcast on Podbean. Um, as for me, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Excellent. You can find me at FTC underscore 21. I'm not doing any guest spots this week. <coughs> we'll, uh, <coughs> things got away from me with the holiday. Wasn't able to uh, get a Fearless 5 out there. We'll try and get one out there for the good people here the, later this week. So uh, you be on the lookout for that. Probably going to be in Twitter for him. Um, just, uh, just haven't had a chance to uh, you know, get the time to sit down and do it in video. So that's where you'll be able to find me. Uh, you can go to AdCity. I'll sit down on Twitter <coughs> or Instagram. Uh, hit us up there with your thoughts comments, any uh, suggestions uh, for future podcasts. Uh, you can find us. We have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. Uh, we will try to get a little more aggressive with posting videos on YouTube. So we have a channel there. So yeah, sit down, look us up and subscribe. Uh, just anywhere where you can support us would mean a lot to us. Uh, and again, we want to give special thanks to uh, Chloe Beresford, Laura Bradburn, Rosella Marai Rico, and Sonia Macio for chiming in with their opinions about uh, Seria's campaign uh, over the weekend to uh, promote awareness and put an end to domestic violence. Um, you know, certainly a topic that really got the conversation going, and well done again to Seria for their efforts there. But uh, we will be back next. We will be back next week. We'll have a guest, so you don't have to keep listening to Richard and I. Scott Monroe will be joining us to complete his hat trick of appearances uh, on the city. I'll sit down and I'll actually finally, I think it's just been you and Scott in the past. And uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'll finally get to talk to Scott. <coughs> I don't know. I don't know how that'll go, but we'll see. Uh, but anyway, want to take you, thank you for taking the time to listen to us here at Syria. Yeah, sit down for Richard. I'm Frank. And as always, be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao. <laughs>